Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future minority doctors. Thank you for taking the time again to listen to this episode. It's a really important one that any pre-med, any college student, any person really can benefit from, in my opinion. Today, we want to talk to you about the power of positive self-talk. Dr. Zoma, you were a psychology major in college, if I recall correctly. I'm curious, do you remember learning about this concept of self-talk when you were in college? Yeah, just I was trying to think back and I think I don't recall any specific lectures focusing on this topic. But then again, this was like over 20 years ago. Uh But generally speaking, though, there were references made to that self dialogue we feed to ourselves that are both good and bad, but not necessarily a specific lecture on this. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right, for our listeners, what do I mean by this self-talk? By self-talk, I mean the conversation that's always going on in your head, the voice that is your own mind talking to you every minute of every day of every week of every month of every year of your life. It's always there. So given that you have to hear that voice of your own mind all of the time, don't you think it's pretty important how it talks to you? For example, is your inner voice always pointing out what you did wrong? Or is it helping you to notice the things that you did right in order to motivate you to keep improving? Is your inner voice telling you that you're not good enough? Or does it encourage you to keep growing and reaching for your goals? Does your inner voice remind you over and over again of the negative things that happened in the past? That, by the way, you can't change. Or does it focus on helping you to design your best possible future? Does your inner voice imagine all of the terrible things that could happen? Or does it imagine all of the wonderful things that could happen? So my point is here, because we listen to our inner voice all day, every day, it's such a powerful force in our lives. Our thoughts lead to our feelings. So negative thoughts tend to lead to negative feelings. And positive thoughts lead to more positive feelings. An inner voice that's stuck on a negative channel can lead to anxiety, depression, and even wanting to give up on life. A positive channel can lead to greater optimism, confidence, and even more success. Now let's be realistic. Nobody has a 100% negative or a 100% positive mind. We all have a combination of the negative and the positive. But some of us definitely experience more of the negative and some of us experience more of the positive. The degree to which we experience either side is influenced by a lot of things. Our life experiences, the environment that we grew up in, and the role models we had as children. So for example, if I had a parent who was always worrying about every possible thing that could go wrong, I would be more likely to pick up the same habit. If I had a parent who was always looking on the bright side and showing appreciation for even the smallest blessings in life, then I would be more likely to be optimistic and grateful in the same way. Dr. Z, when you think of yourself back in high school or your college years, How would you assess your self-talk? Was it half and half, like 50% positive and 50% negative? Or did you skew more negative or more positive? Yeah, I I think most of mine were negative as I was depressed at that time, but I just didn't know it. 
So I would say if I broke it down, probably 80% negative and 20% positive. I really lacked self-esteem and I didn't think I was good enough, just like how you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, I would give out the vibe as if I was 100% positive in social situations, but it really never matched what I felt inside. I think this is a reason why I majored in psychology to understand myself and my family dynamics. I think like most people, our brain has this negative bias to remember all of our failures and hardships rather than imprinting those positive things about ourselves in the forefront of our minds. What about you, Dr. Marina? Oh, I was definitely more of a glass half empty kind of pre-med. And I actually, I appreciate that you mentioned that negativity bias because that's an important point to make. Um, We don't have to get down on ourselves for having a more negative bias. It's natural. It's an evolutionary adaptation. You know, when we were hunter-gatherers thousands of years ago, if we were not afraid of the tiger hiding behind the bushes, that would be a bad thing because then we would let down our guard and we would be eaten by a tiger, right? So our brain has evolved over time to be on alert all the time. And nowadays, when we don't have tigers hiding behind bushes in most places, <laughs> um, <laughs> that negativity bias still exists and it's there to protect us, but it's you know on overdrive given the bigger situation of our lives. So going back to myself as a pre-med, <laughs> I would say I was probably close to you, 70 to 75% negative and the minority positive. The fact is that I spent way too much time criticizing my flaws going over my mistakes and thinking of reasons why I would fail instead of reasons why I would succeed. However, it wasn't all negative. It was like there was a battle always going on in my mind with the positive guys a little outnumbered, but they were still there. So even when I felt really awful about myself, there was just enough of that positive voice in my mind that fought back and convinced me to keep going, to keep trying, to keep aiming for my goals. The positive voice would get drowned out by the negative sometimes, but it was still there. It's what convinced me to retake those classes when I failed and to push through organic chemistry and to spend eight hours a day studying for the MCAT one summer. Now, it took me years of therapy and practice to change that tendency toward negative self-talk, but today I can say the ratio is more like 80% positive and 20% negative. For me, that's a major shift. And one that I'm really, really grateful for. I'm grateful to all the therapists that I worked with, Mm -hmm. to a lot of books that I read, and just to myself for practicing and practicing and getting better. So life is just so much better when my mind is able to say mostly nice things to myself instead of mostly mean things. So if you're like me when I was a pre-med or like Dr. Z, and you find that your self-talk is more negative than you want it to be, we have a few tips for you today. For things that you can do to begin making a shift in the direction you want. First, though, please know that this shift may not happen overnight. Changing your self-talk habits takes time, just like changing any habit takes time, but it can be done and it is worth the effort. So here are two strategies today that you can start to use to train your self-talk in a more positive direction. All right, strategy number one. Realize that you don't have to believe your thoughts. That's right, you heard me. You don't have to believe what your mind tells you. Just because your mind thinks it, it doesn't make it true. I distinctly remember going to a therapist as a medical student who first introduced me to a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. 
our first session together, she gave me a simple worksheet and had me write down a few of the negative thoughts that had been on my mind that week. Now, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, but I'm pretty sure one of them was something like this. I will fail my renal physiology test. <laughs> you remember renal physiology, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not my friend. That was a tough <laughs> class. <laughs> so, yes. So then my therapist explained to me that next to each negative thought, I had to write down the evidence for that thought and the evidence against that thought. In other words, I had to start critically evaluating my own thought. Was it really true that I wouldn't pass my test? Or was my brain just wanting me to believe that for some reason? So I came up with some evidence for my thought. For example, renal physiology is hard. I have fallen behind in studying. And sometimes people fail exams. Those are all true, right? That's evidence for the thought. Yes. And then I came up with evidence against my thought. For example, I've taken and passed many difficult tests before. Renal physiology may be hard, but it's hard for everyone, not just for me. And I still have time to catch up and learn enough to pass. I don't have to get 100%, but I have to pass, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, this exercise, it helped me to realize possibly for like the first time objectively in my life that my thoughts were less true than I assumed they were. And simply realizing that helped me to feel a little better. Even though my mind was sometimes freaking out and telling me, you're going to fail this test, I didn't have to believe it. Now, this may sound silly to some of you, but believe it or not, this was my, again, the first time in my life that someone had actually shown me how to critically examine my own thoughts, to argue with my own thoughts. The therapist showed me that I didn't have to believe a thought just because it popped up in my mind. I could actually call BS on my own thoughts. And whether or not you see a therapist like I did, you can learn the same lesson. You can start to realize right here, right now, that you have the power to examine and to question negative thoughts too. And you can start to recognize that a lot of the negative self-talk simply is not true. Dr. Z, did you ever feel trapped in your negative thought or negative self-talk patterns? And if so, when did you begin to realize that you could change them? Yeah, I, I mean, as far as as far back as I can remember it, I think I often felt trapped in that dark hole <laughs> uh-huh. of like just bringing myself down and, and not knowing how to get back up. A lot of it, just like you mentioned, you know, what things that influence it is because I come from a family where there was an alcoholic parent and there was a lot of negative verbal abuse. Um, so at a very young age, and I think that's where it stems from. Now, when did I realize that I could change it? I would say probably in medical school, which is interesting uh-huh. that we went through, you know, undergrad and it wasn't until medical school that, you know, I actually learned about the self-talk. and. I learned about it through my mentor in medical school, who is a psychiatrist. So I did a lot of visits with her and she really helped me navigate the self-talk and self-doubt. Wonderful. And isn't it amazing to have a mentor? I mean, in your case, what a great psychiatrist mentor that helped you. I mean, I went to that, that one therapist I mentioned, I only went to twice, but that like simple worksheet made such a difference. And then I went on to a psychiatrist who did medication management and cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was really helpful to continue learning more and to continue practicing it. 
Although I was really bad at doing my homework, but I still learned little by little. Well, even just being able to, you know, redirect that thought when it comes in, because our first thought, and I think in medical school, and some of you are hearing in pre-med, you know, as soon as you see a course, that's a pre-med course, it's hard. Immediately, you kind of already want to go towards like, I'm going to fail this. Mm -hmm. So-and-so failed it. So-and-so, you know, and you just start going into that, that little like, down the rabbit hole. Uh But really, when once you learn, like, what is my mind talking about? Why? Why is that going to happen? And just like you said, you break it down into the actual evidence on both sides, you realize that it's just our brain going crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) it's just scared. It's just going crazy and scared. And then you bring it back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And again, a lot of these patterns of thinking, they were programmed in us when we were children. Mm -hmm. And I mean, We can't even fully understand why or from where they came, but they're there and we just start where we are. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You accept where you are and you figure out where you want to go, what direction you want to go, and you start going in that direction. Which brings us to strategy number two, and that is practice replacing your negative thoughts with more positive ones. Now, it sounds really easy, but it's not. It takes practice. So I want to emphasize, you don't have to go from a negative 10, which is like a super negative thought, to a positive 10 or a super positive thought right away. In fact, if you try going from something super negative to something super positive right away, your brain might actually rebel because it's too big of a leap to make. It might feel way too artificial or fake. Just as an example, let's say that your starting point is this. Maybe you're having this thought lately. I hate my life. That's an extreme example, but some people have that thought. I hate my life. And then you suddenly try jumping right away to, I love my life. That's a huge cognitive and emotional leap to make. Probably too much for most people. So instead of trying to do that, just go in the right direction. For example, from I hate my life to I like one thing about my life or two things or a few things about my life, right? And focus on them, identify them, think about them. Over time, you may start to like more things about your life, and eventually you can advance to the thought of, I like many things about my life. And isn't that so much better, right? That's a huge shift. But again, it's not necessarily going to happen all at once. Take baby steps if you need to. If you need to go from a negative 10 to a negative 9 to a negative 8, like figure out how to do that, but just go in the right direction. By the way, (laughs) this concept of making these extreme leaps is actually why I used to laugh at the idea of affirmations when I first learned about them. The idea of like standing in front of a mirror and telling myself, I am amazing (laughs) or I am beautiful, right? Just made me laugh because it was way too much of a leap for me. My mind was not going to believe such an extreme shift. But the truth is that affirmations done in the right way in baby steps, if necessary, like I mentioned, can be powerful and transformative. It's so important to like for you to be able to replace those thoughts. And if any of you have children or if anybody works with kids as well, um, it's something good to practice with them too. Like for example, like say my son is having a hard time, you know, doing something with school. First thing he does is like, I can't do this. This is too hard. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Like it's just immediately right with the first response. And Through his school, they're trying to teach kids how to reward that. And so then I'll say, "Um, do you think you can say that in a different way? 
I go, well, you're not so hard on yourself. And then he'll Uh change it. And then he says, this is very difficult for my brain. And I think my brain's just just trying to grow. (laughs) Uh So again, it's like that reshift in that mind into more of a positive thing, like acknowledging this is difficult. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. But the good outcome of this is that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to teach even in a a young mind that's, you know, where you can try to mold their minds better. So, you know, just have some grace with yourself because most all of you guys are adults. So it's really hard to like shift, but it does take practice. And over time, you get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what a wonderful thing that your son is already learning these tools early in life. Because reprogramming, you know, five year old brain or an eight year old brain is much quicker than trying to reprogram a brain that has had a certain habit in place for 20 or 30 years, right? Exactly. So, um, it's a yeah, wonderful message. So all of us can be that influence in the lives of children around us. So if you catch your niece or your nephew or your own child or some child that you work with, you know, exhibiting that negative self-talk and those negative beliefs, nudge them. You, you can be a powerful force for good in their own life by gently training them (laughs) to shift their perspective as well. It doesn't mean you deny reality, right? Your son still acknowledged that there was something that he perceived as difficult, but it wasn't the end of the world, (laughs) right? So thank you for mentioning that. Now I'm curious, um, Dr. Z, what's a negative thought that you remember having as a pre-med? Oh, man, (laughs) there's a lot there. That's a big question. You don't have to list all million. I'll just do a couple um, that I didn't have what it takes to be a doctor. I was horrible at physics. So therefore, there's no way I could be a doctor because I thought physics represented my potential to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And so then at that point, I remember I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm changing careers. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, yeah, I had a lot of those same thoughts too. So if you could talk to your younger self right now, what would you suggest that college age Zulma replace those thoughts with? Remember, not necessarily the polar opposite, but a more positive thought. I wish that I knew, I think, first of all, that making mistakes is part of life. Like it's just part of the journey and that it was okay. And then I wish I would have learned how to forgive myself when I make those mistakes. I also wish I knew that struggling in a course didn't mean that that represented who you are as a person or your potential. And more specifically, I found over time when I reflect on this is that I wish I felt comfortable sharing my weaknesses with others. So that way, in turn, it would be more comfortable for me to ask for help. Very, very good points. So I'm going to take this as an example, this one that you mentioned. So the thought you mentioned was, I don't have what it takes to be a doctor, right? I think a lot of pre-meds have this thought, at least at one point you know, during their pre-med journey, because anytime you, unless you're you're like one of those students that just easily gets A's in their class, there are some, there's some that really just rock it, but a lot of people struggle. So if you're one of those that maybe struggled or got a C or a D or failed a class, you might be having this thought, maybe I don't have what it takes to be a doctor. So what's a more positive way to reframe? Again, we don't have to go all the way from, I don't have what it takes to be a doctor to, I definitely have what it takes to be a doctor. But what would be, let's think through this, what would be kind of a middle ground, a more neutral way of viewing the situation? Dr. Z, do you have any suggestions? Yeah, so if you have the initial thought that 
I'm not meant to be a doctor. I think just reminding ourselves, again, replacing those thoughts, acknowledging it's difficult. Wow, it's really hard. The process of being a doctor is really hard. It's not easy, but let me take it day by day because I can maybe learn how to get better at it so that way I can be a doctor one day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe you can also try something like if, you know, if you, especially if you've listened to some of our episodes um, highlighting the stories of other minority doctors and one of them has resonated with you, maybe their story has similarities to yours or was inspiring in some way. You can replace that thought of, I don't have what it takes to be a doctor with, you know what, so-and-so went through challenges similar to mine and they still became an excellent doctor. So maybe even though this is going to be challenging, I can still get there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going from a negative, negative thought to like a more neutral and slightly hopeful thought, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually, as things start to get easier, you start to have more success, you see your potential, then it can shift to like, yes, I have what it takes to be a doctor. I know that because I've proven it to myself that I can do these hard things, right? So that's just an example <laughs> of how to make that shift. Okay, I have a story too. So this is not necessarily related to pre-med classes or medical school. But one of the things I like to do to exercise, well, that I do for exercise, I don't know (laughs) if I like it always, but is uh, running. So I run twice a week, sometimes three times a week if I'm training for something. I've done a couple of half marathons. I ran one full marathon. But I just like it because it's an efficient way to get exercise, cardiovascular, fitness, all of that stuff. But I am heavier. I'm not naturally a super skinny person. So running requires some effort, of course, right? So when I used to run a couple of years back before, like around the time I started training for half marathons, I had gone a long time without running and then I was going back to it. And my thoughts while I was running were something like this. Ugh, I feel miserable. This is hard. And I am slower than everyone else. I will never be fast right? So very negative thoughts. And this was going through my mind all the time as I was running, like, when am I going to be done? Because this is miserable. And then I started to like learn more about mindfulness and meditation. (laughs) And like the idea of mindfulness is, you know, approaching things without judgment, like letting go. We don't have to think of something as bad or good, like it can just be you can allow it to be. And you can sit in that non judgmental place. So I started to shift my thought patterns while I was running to something more like this. This isn't easy. This isn't hard. This just is. So it was a very like Zen attempt (laughs) at like viewing running. It was like, just listen to my breath, feel my body, just observe without making it be hard or making it be easy. It just, you know, it is. And that really helped. So it helped me to just enjoy the run more and to not just be looking forward to the end of the run. And then more recently, I've gotten better at this. And so I've practiced saying this instead, I am light, I am limber, I am strong, and I enjoy the experience of running. So especially during those moments where I start to feel myself really working hard, I start to say those things to myself in my mind, right? And it's really powerful. It's much more positive thought than I had five years ago. And it really helps. It helps me to enjoy the experience so much more. You know, Dr. Marina, just this example you gave just reminded me this is exactly what I went through in medical school with those with some of the difficult courses. You know, it's that first, Uh I hate this. And then I went through the 
you just got to do it. Uh-huh. And then afterwards, the switching to maybe this can be interesting. Let me see how I can look at this so that way I can learn it in an interesting way. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Just, yeah. So it's a good way even for your studying as well. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think I also went through a little bit of that shift, but it took me a long time yeah. because. You know, it's hard to enjoy studying for 12 hours straight, (laughs) but you can, if you focus on, you know what, I'm tired from being here for 10 hours, but this thing that I'm learning about the heart is really fascinating. And like how many people get to like spend the time learning about this, right? So Mm -hmm. you can start to inject like moments of appreciation into that study time, even if it is challenging. All right. So these are examples of negative thoughts, but I also want to point out that this concept applies to negative questions as well. For example, have you ever asked yourself, why am I bad at organic chemistry? Or why am I such a bad test taker? When you ask yourself a question, your brain gets to work right away at answering it. So for the example of why am I such a bad test taker? Your brain is going to start giving you answers to that exact question. Answers like, you were just born that way. You don't have natural talent. You're too slow. You're not good at reading the questions and so on, right? You asked a question and your brain is answering that question. So if you catch your mind asking negative questions, it's also important to try to shift them in a more positive direction. Instead of why am I such a bad test taker? You can say, brain, I catch you doing that. Don't answer that. Let's ask a better question instead. So in this case, how can I prepare myself better for my next exam? With this new question, your brain will get to work helping you to come up with strategies to study better, to get help, to be optimistic that you can improve. Does that make sense? So Dr. Z, can you think of any of these negative questions that maybe you asked yourself during your journey? Yeah, I I think that one was a big one. Because I always, as I've mentioned before, my reading, you know, wasn't so great. So I felt like that always impacted me as well. But again, once I got to medical school, I kind of reframed that as well. As far as, okay, if I didn't do so well in this part or so hot, what can I do to make myself better? Yeah, exactly. So definitely taking that approach instead of, I did horrible, I'm just going to fail. And then that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And why am I so bad at everything? Right? (laughs) Like, if you ask the question, your brain is going to answer. So be really careful the questions you ask. And it's totally okay. Like, if you catch yourself having those negative thoughts, don't judge them to be like, Oh, God, I'm doing that again. Like my brain is just bad. No, don't further (laughs) be negative. (laughs) Just be like, Oh, brain, I caught you. Like, I see what you're doing. And it's okay, but I'm going to shift. I'm going to choose to take you in a different direction because I'm trying to establish a new habit. I'm trying to make new neural connections in my brain, right? I've had this habit for years and years and years, but now I want to change it. Yeah. The other thing too, Dr. Marina, I think like I would try to tell myself too when I was uh, worried about a test is, all right, let me think about the test I have done well in right? Mm -hmm. Because again, we're thinking, oh, bad, bad, bad. So just kind of replacing it. I don't know if maybe I will perform like I did on that test as well. So Mm -hmm. um, again, just reshifting that thought into the other way around. It works. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We could give a million more examples, but you get the point, I think. (laughs) So start paying attention to the negative thoughts in your mind and start arguing back a little bit. Start suggesting changes in a more positive direction. 
when you start practicing changing your own thoughts, you will be amazed at the transformation that is possible. But like we've said, you have to practice, practice, practice. And when I say practice, remember that the goal is not perfection. Don't go there. The goal is not 100% positive thoughts all day, every day. In fact, that might be impossible. The goal is simply better than before. You may have heard the phrase, practice makes perfect. I do not like that phrase because it's not true. There's no such thing as perfect. A better slogan for me is practice makes better. So just practice, practice, and keep practicing. The more you practice, the stronger those neural pathways in your brain will get, and the easier it will be to automatically believe those new and more positive thoughts. Dr. Z, last question. What is a positive self-talk message that you've practiced believing in during your life? I think um, once I came around to understanding this, uh, mm-hmm. I, and something I use today is because I have so many things going on, what I say is, all I can do is my best, regardless of whatever the outcome is. I love that. I love that. Because it's acknowledging the control that you do have and letting go of the rest, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to this episode. We hope that you find it helpful in your life and in your pre-med journey. Remember that we are always here cheering you on. And if you don't already, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have video versions of many of our podcast episodes. Until next time, everyone. Peace and love.